What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Before we get started, a big thanks to John at Blast Podcast for getting me up and running. We are living through, as always, some pretty crazy, intense times. So, stand, speak, shine. If only that came easy to you. So often I hear from women who are going through transformations, looking to find themselves, be healthier, engaged in a more meaningful relationship, removing the limiting beliefs, the roadblocks that seem to turn up at every corner. And even if we are strong, powerful women, why is it that sometimes we feel disconnected, empty, even incomplete. Cherie Burton is a pioneering spiritual psychologist whose evolutionary stand, speak, shine method transforms women into authentically embodied and empowered feminine leaders. As a mother of six, author, international speaker, and host of the Women Seeking Wholeness podcast, she is passionately driven to guide women to heal, express, and create using the new feminine leadership paradigm. Don't worry, I'm going to get to that. I also get that from this intro, it would seem that life has been nothing but rainbows and unicorns for this former beauty queen. However, for decades, she battled feelings of shame, insignificance, and depression. She comes from a family pedigree riddled with addiction and mental illness. She lost her sister to suicide and lost her own daughter at just four days old. Cherie's journey, life experience, coaching, and emotional healing methods is what I'm truly hoping will inspire us over the next hour. Cherie, by the way, is joining us from just outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. So great to have you here. I'm so excited that we've got this going. Hi. Oh, thank you so much for that, Leanne. And I was kind of joking right before we started to press record. Uh, like the men don't have to go running right now. It's no, not like no, no, they please. don't need to check out. No, this is not. No, we're not biased <laughs> towards women in this at all. <laughs> there, are, there are things I think that all of us can take, especially when we're trying to go on this emotional transformational journey. Just we're constantly, I think, especially those that might be listening to this, we're always looking to find better ways to live our life, to be freer, to enjoy more. Do you get that sense? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yes. It's And then, you know, in continuing the conversation around like how you introduced me with feminine leadership, like there's feminine in men and there's masculine in women. So it's really not about gender as much as it is just owning, like having that great harmonious flow inside of you as you stand up to be who you are to the world. So I think what's happening too is that even in... Um, I don't know, even in certain professions, there seems to be niche niche aspects to it. And when you look at a spiritual psychologist, uh, and that's something that really seems to be branching out, where did you see yourself falling into that? Why that section? Why that? Yeah, so uh, I actually worked as a group therapist at a psychiatric institution, as well as an addiction recovery center. And this was like, mm, probably 17, 18 years ago. And I just noticed there was a lot of I mean, having the traditional Western medicine model training background or whatever in psychology, I just noticed there was a lot of recidivism. There was a lot of relapsing. Um, generally speaking, people weren't getting well. There wasn't, to me, it seemed, a whole person model, like mind, body, spirit. You know, that's more catchy today, I think. But it's still not in the in the mainstream offering of wellness, you know, medicine models and practitioners and 
health professionals and whatnot, they're still not really completely, I think, as a whole looking at the the entire being of a person on all levels. So I kind of niched into, I guess you could say, spiritual psychology just as a way to encapsulate motivation and what we're all truly searching for, which is to be at rest in our own souls, to find meaning, to find our path, if you will. And if you don't have that, you will lapse into a soul depression. You will feel disconnected from life, from the cosmos, really. It takes somebody to realize, though, that they're experiencing that. Sometimes everyone just kind of goes through life on like the like kind of like that that wheel, right? They don't even realize that at a point that they're still on it, that they Absolutely. don't even realize they've lost themselves. Right. And I think that where we're at in the planet right now, especially, you know, living in the U.S. and having all this unrest and all this, you know, the cultural fires really that are surfacing, it's it hasn't hit everyone's consciousness yet <laughs> there's a there are people who are asleep there are people who are awake and there's no judgment around that but it's like each individual person needs to literally wake up to who they are so that they can have the voice so that they can have the awareness so that they can you know create this global unity that we're really all searching for and I think, and you and I kind of had a pre-conversation around this, like, I think we're getting, we're inching closer. I'm hopeful that we're inching closer to having the greater discussion of, you know, we are all one. We are not different, at least in terms of what we need as humans. And so, yeah, it's when It is. And the thing is, is that you will, people will come across this at different stages. You know, it's one thing to find yourself at 20, right? We use that expression, go find yourself. Is it possible? And I know even looking through your website, you break down you as a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, you know, and you break down how different and where you were in your life at that time. And I think a lot of us sometimes don't even realize at what point we're we're finding ourselves in that journey. I'm 51, so now you can add 50s to that. <laughs> um, you look like you're 35. <laughs> thank you. But it's crazy because, yeah, in the developmental life cycle, we we really are maturing into more. I think the older we get, if we're woke, as my young adults would say, we, we become more comfortable in our own skin. We become less, um, it's less important really what people think of us. And more important that we answer the call of our heart and we live open-heartedly. And so that inclusivity and expansion and, you know, it's just, I guess the older I get, the more I'm like, eh, they can have their opinion. And, you know, and I'm still working through that people pleasing and what are people going to think of this? And what if I do this? And this demographic is going to reject me. And this one's, you know, like that cat and mouse hamster wheel thing that you talk, like there's no, like that's energetically draining, we can't stay in that space of making it okay for all these subgroups, right? Even our own family members, even our dearest friends, um, we have we have to be who we are and express that, and that's exactly what the world needs right now. When you're dealing with a lot of the clients, and and just because I've gone through the website and I see so much of what it is that you offer, where are they coming from? Is it a place of depression, uh, roadblocks, limiting beliefs, uh, weight loss, not where, you know, I'm sure yeah. you've seen all of it, you know, marriages. I know you've had great posts on kind of, you know, marriage counseling and depression. De- like there's so yeah. many things that you touch on. 
does it is it all encompassing for you the work or is there something you see is really where you start the focus and go from there yeah so i guess it really just depends on whatever drama i'm playing out in my personal life i just attract people into that space so recently i almost divorced from my husband of 25 years our anniversaries this month actually 25 years this month we literally were separated for 10 months last year and almost broke up our family of seven. I mean, it was like a hair's breadth. We were ready to sign the divorce papers. And in the interim, attracted this wonderful love coach out of the UK. And she and I started this Fix Your Marriage in 40 Days. And everything has shifted and healed and like an earthquake of awakening in that department. So to answer your question, I really feel like your mess is your message. Like, if you show up and say, yeah, I want to be a voice for change. I want to help heal. Expect that, you know, want to help others. Expect that in the, the universe is going to send you a very carefully selected packages package of life experiences that don't look super clean and pretty, like they're messes in order for you to work through that and live it in your body and so that you're qualified to be a quote unquote life expert in that domain. So for me, it's been infant loss. It's been mental illness in my family of origin of the seven children in my family of origin of which I'm the second oldest. All of them were diagnosed bipolar except myself and one other sibling. Um, lost an aunt to suicide, lost a sister to suicide, both of them mothers, young mothers. Um, lost, like it, it just goes on and on with that ancestral stuff, but also breaking poverty cycles in my family. Um, Stepping into business, stepping into leadership for a woman. What does that look like? Breaking now, literally, I'm first generation, like breaking poverty, breaking feminine leadership, um, and as well as you know my sister. So, I guess yeah, I I can see myself like it's all under one umbrella, and that is who am I? And I don't ever want to like pigeonhole myself into one little specific niche, right? But what I hear are the cries of women continuously, like, my marriage is hurting. I can't get a handle on my emotions. I'm super depressed. I have this beautiful life, but I'm super depressed. I'm miserable. What's going on with me? I attract that. I attract women, um, not to leave the men out here because and men send me their wives all the time, but women who are like, I know I have a path and purpose. I know I'm called to something. I just can't get through this emotional debris inside of me. It's because the people on the earth right now, men and women, we are the chain breakers. We are the ones shifting the dysfunctional ancestral patterns. So, yeah. I uh, I remember having this amazing, we had a podcast us talking about eidetics uh, and epigenetics, you know, and just how much, so much of what we hold in us is is passed in down through generations also. Uh, I, I find it amazing. Uh and quite fascinating, the human soul and body and what we carry. Now, you said it right off the bat, because I want to actually get to it. Because when you mentioned a 25-year marriage that was on the brink and separation for yeah. 10 months, and I actually did see a post, because I saw a post of you with the kids and your husband in a bed, and it's yeah. like with this new home. like, And so there's this happy ending, but I'm, I'm assuming that that took work. And I, I think what yeah. people need to realize is that uh, it's, not an e it's not always an easy fix. No. No, literally like hell. I mean, like fetal position, like ugly sobbing. Um, and those are the points of power in your life. Those breaks are the, it's a break literally in the old way of thinking. Something has to give. A dam has to break for things to flow. And my, all of us have programming. For me, yeah, it was literally like, 
looking at what are the what are the programs about marriage that I've believed? What are the programs about men that I've believed? What are the programs about my husband himself? Like marriage, everything, like community, family, like I have to I have to take a microscope into my being and look at that and is it actually true? And I couldn't I couldn't stay in a marriage and still believe what I did. I had to break that. Can you give an example or, you know, so that the listeners almost like have a jot note of, okay, like if you could think of like five questions you had to ask yourself or five issues or things that you worked on. I don't mean to yeah. give it that number, but if you have a couple of yeah, yeah, yeah. examples. Okay. So for, for men, it was like, men don't show up. Uh, all men want is sex. Um and again, this is not to demean men and, and like totally make like blanket statements. Like, I don't actually think that, but there's some kind of subconscious program that was running that, that my body was convinced of. Right. But logically I didn't believe that. Um, as far as marriage, like, um, you know, the honeymoon's over after X amount of years, like, um, you can't re- really re- have true passion after a certain age or after sh- how many kids, Right. Um, and then deeper with that is, you know, um, uh, I don't have what it takes to be a good wife. I mean, that's super vulnerable. But like, I believed that I'm not good wife material. I'm driven. I'm ambitious. I have a purpose, purpose and path. I railroad over men. I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm bitchy, whatever. And, and I don't believe that anymore, but I did believe that. And so I was unconsciously like sabotaging this beautiful man who was in my life who loved me and was supporting me and saw my soul and saw who I was. And through a series of very, you know, we went to a luxury marriage retreat in Costa Rica and met this woman and she was our coach. And then we just transformed everything. But it sometimes takes an outside person to come in and look at like what you're not seeing, what you're blind to. And, and we all need those people in our lives. (laughs) Yeah, it's you can't always fix everything by yourself. As women Mm -hmm. tend to a lot of the time, it's just like, I'll fix it. I'll figure it out. Or I'll get to it later. And I kept sweeping (laughs) the marriage under the rug. It was always last on the list. Oh, I'm doing personal development in all these areas. But I always tell people, look at the one thing you're avoiding. Like, that's so hard. But just like, clear the slate and like, what is the one thing I'm avoiding? For a lot of us, it's a health thing, but usually it's a relationship thing that we are just like, no, I'll get to that later. That's on my, my, that's on my bucket list somewhere or whatever. And I was doing that with my marriage for like a decade. Um, Right. Yeah. So we do that. We, we sabotage those really crucial pieces that are, could be the one, the one thing we're sabotaging could be the one thing that breaks our whole world wide open to a whole different experience. And yet could actually become, once you fix it, could become the biggest gift that you give to yourself to experience Absolutely. joy and, and feeling fulfillment and completion in other ways. Yeah, and that's the paradox right there. Okay, can I ask you about that paradigm? You just mentioned it, the new feminine leadership paradigm. It was in, yes. it's, I've seen it in the writing. So can you explain that? Okay, so... I mentioned this earlier, but like we all have masculine feminine energy inside of us. And everyone's like, what is that? I'm so sick of hearing that. But let me just nail it down for people. So the old way, patriarchal, dogmatic way of doing things is go, 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 light yourself on fire, kill it, achieve, be recognized, 
hit your goals, hit the mark, um, that kind of energy. Very performance-based. The new uh, feminine leadership paradigm is very intuitive-based. It has flow to it. It's very careful, and it's, um, it's very based in expansion and attraction. So kind of like the, you know, uh, the secret, you know, the old, like, attraction, you know, a lot of attraction, but it really is like feminine magnetism. It's drawing things to you rather than you hunting it down. The male is the hunter, the female is, you know, the one who gathers. And, and so we innately as women and men too have, um, are developing this feminine leadership paradigm where it's like, what can I attract to me? Um, I don't want to get burned out. I want to have it all. I want to reach my heart's desires, but yeah, it's a new way of doing business. It's a new way of bringing to you what you want versus just, you know, let me give you an example. If you were in sales and you made a list of people to contact, you could either, you know, bust out a whole like three or four hour cold call <laughs> script thing or in the male, you know, masculine leadership paradigm or in the feminine leadership paradigm, you could intuitively feel into how does it feel or align for me? Who, who am I feeling drawn towards? What feels right? Call one person, have a 10-minute conversation, and really like avoid the whole stress response of, of having to weed through everything and just get to the, the one that's illuminated. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of a weird like metaphor or analogy, but I, I just think for me, it's, it's intuition, it's flow, it's attraction, it's what's aligning, um, and it's... And we all have to have the masculine and feminine in us to run things and do things, but it's it's kind of the receiving versus giving sort of mentality. Um, as women, I think we would be more apt to falling into flow with that than men. Yes. Or maybe am I making a bad assumption? No, but, that, but as women, we get into, because we've been programmed like it's this way. It's the old patriarchal systemic way, which all those institutions are falling governments, academia, even religions, like all of them that have this patriarchal, like checklisted, rudimentary, orthodox, very dogmatic, black, white way of doing things. Now it's coming back into what feels right, what's aligned, what's the highest intuitive, you know, what's the next best step? What's the next enlightened action? So yeah, I mean, it's getting more done, (laughs) but in a more meaningful, rich way. Okay, so I'm I'm picturing having this, and as I mentioned right off the top of the podcast, you do have women who might not be having that s- same struggle of self identity, right? They, or they are, they're in positions of power. They feel good. They're strong. They're outgoing. They can get in front of a, a place and, you know, take control of a crowd or a business meeting or anything. And yet, as I mentioned off the top, feel incomplete. Feel you know, why aren't I happy with everything yeah. that I have? What, where does that fall? Because to the outside world, it's like they've got everything and yet inside there's kind of darkness. Yeah, yeah there, there could be loneliness there. Uh, that's a really powerful question. What I have seen with my clients um, and some high power, high vibration, strong women is that as women, we have this innate ability to see the whole picture. It's the kind of like maternal instinct thing. It's the wise woman archetype where we can see it all. It's all before us. And even women's brains, the female brain is very much wired 
as a whole brain versus men can very specifically focus on one thing. As women, we get inundated and overwhelmed because we see all of it before us coming at us all at once. So we tend to get overstimulated. We can go into anxiety. We can shut down and withdraw and go into loneliness. But because we we do see the whole picture, there's, an, there's a propensity to shut down or get burned out or get overwhelmed, stressed out. And the loneliness factor is big. Um, I meet a lot of high power women who are like, I have, again, like I have it all. I have everything I want and I'm miserable. And I've been there too. And it's like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I, why can't I be just like be happy and feel fulfilled already? So I think the key is to just, no matter what is going on, and this is going to sound super trite. So just bear with me is coming back into a space of gratitude. Okay. Noticing what I do have. I do have, I'm breathing like the sun, you know, whatever we need to look for and notice part of the feminine attraction magnetism model is to notice, to go at half speed, literally half speed, walking half speed. I mean, and just noticing, looking around and noticing what is there, what has shown up, what is love in front of me? What do I have versus, you know, what do I got to get done? What isn't working? What's broken? Um, who needs help? <laughs> you know, the emergency is always here in our heart. When did when? you first press pause? Because I, I can remember the time as I've been going through my own transformation when I started to put gratitude uh, and being grateful every day and writing on a piece of paper every day, a list of things that I'm grateful for. When did that set in for you? Because mm-hmm. I know that this would be something you practice and preach. <laughs> I try. I'm, I wish I was better at it. My kids range in age from six to 26. So it's kind of a circus sometimes. And um, I do work from home. I'm, I run uh, multiple projects and businesses simultaneously. Like I have people ask me all, in a podcast, I have people ask me all the time, how do you do it all? And my answer is very short. I screen, I set very high energetic boundaries I have stations of nourishment around me on my person at all times, whether I'm leaving the house or sitting at my desk or wherever I'm at, which include things like aromatherapy, water, music, candles, um, high vibration, nutrition, things that, that I can grab and go kind of like these little mini kits around me. And I teach my, and I have, you know, a multi-sensory healing kit on my website where I teach people how to do that because for me, it feels like women more so than men, will we're so relational. We will look outside of us to see what we can attach you to help or make better. And we overlook this sacred temple within almost 100% of the time because we are so relational. The, the deepest recesses of our being are crying out for us to be nourished and nurtured and heard. Our soul voice, our our essence, if you will, it wants to come out, it wants to emerge, but we, we bury it with the intent that if we take care of everything else in our spheres of influence, we'll be okay, we'll feel better. And so for me, it's breathing. I did a 200 hour, uh, 200 teaching yoga thing hour with my daughter because she wants to be a yoga teacher. I did it with her because I wanted to learn it. I didn't want to teach yoga. Rocked my freaking world because this, the reason that yoga and meditation are making such a resurgence right now is that people are realizing it is no longer a luxury to do things like meditation, yoga, movement, flow, whatever. 
it's a necessity. We will not survive as a species if we do not stop and breathe <laughs> and create flow. <laughs> I, I love it. Okay, can you, I want to go back. Just, just because the way you said it is just so profound. Stations of nourishment. Yeah. So stations, yeah. okay, so we have, so what you're saying is stations of nourishment in our, in our space. Everywhere, yeah. Everywhere. Create okay. Little, yeah. So <laughs> places where you, I mean, I know that I have my spot where I go and I breathe and I meditate, but you're saying a spot for. Like on the go. Okay. Yeah. Okay, give so me more where, examples. Where, I love where this. Where do you okay. hang out a lot? So I'm at my desk a lot, okay? So I have like, I wish you could see, but I have little stations of like essential oils, little cards, mantras, um, things that remind me to go within and breathe and water all the time, all the time with me. I have water 100% of the time. So I also have that in my purse. I have a little mini on the go deal in my purse and in my bathroom. So that I know, again, if like I'm leaving somewhere um, and I know that I'm gonna be gone for a while, I need something to get out of stress response and into healing response. I need to get out of fight, flight or freeze. So what are those indicators? Something I can smell. Your senses are your portals to ground into the now and feel good. So anything you have that's a sensory anchoring tool, and I teach about essential oils, I teach about mindfulness and breathing and all that, because honestly, it's got to be something you can grab that lands you into your senses and produces just to like, okay, I'm back in. Okay, I don't have to outsource my authority. I don't have to outsource the people pleasing. I don't have to take care of anything outside of me. It's all here right now. It's all about me. How do I get into my body? And that's what yoga did for me, honestly. So when you pair the breathing with the oils and the, you know, all sensory anchoring tools, you have something you can touch, something you can taste, something you can smell, and you put it around you. You have no excuse not to take care of yourself. <laughs> I just, I love that. I hope, I hope right now people are listening going, okay, what do I want to take from home if we're going back to the office, right? Uh, there's people that are returning to work right now and it's a very stressful situation. Take those things with you and create a space. I love it. Stations of nourishment. I'm totally taking that with me <laughs> through all of this. Now, because you said nourishment, I immediately thought food and with food, it, it leads me into emotional eating. And I know that's also something, and especially if we're going to talk women, uh, <laughs> that would be pretty much top yeah. of the list. So what are some, what's some of the work that you've done with it and and especially too, as, as weight loss and all of that comes into play with where transformation typically happens, what's your take? Yeah. So feeding itself has so many layers, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Like from the time we were babies, we were crying for food and we got milk put in our mouth right away. So we, we learned and were conditioned and programmed that if we had an emotion, food came in to save the day. Um, and we never released that program. It, it's, it's, we have to eat, <laughs> but when, when you have an emotional attachment to the feeding um, program, then it becomes a whole other level. So for women, again, we, we are feeding our families. We are feeding everyone around us energetically, not just with food. So the switch is, and I've seen this with emotional eating, the switch is a question and questions open and inquiry is a process that really is powerful. So we ask ourselves, what do I need right now to nourish myself? So if we feel, if we think we're feeling hunger, oftentimes it's really not physical hunger. It's what do I need? So if you have those stations around you, 
feed yourself that, feed yourself breath, feed yourself water, feed yourself words of praise and affirmation and gratitude, feed yourself a sensory anchoring tool. You might need to eat. And I know this is, again, like a huge multi-charged statement for many people, but you are what you eat. That's no judgment around that. We're all in the process ourselves of, you know, I don't eat clean all the time. I don't know anyone who eats clean all of the time. There are very few people on the planet who do, but it's the energy with which you eat it. If you're eating chocolate out of shame, you'll eat more shame. If you're eating chocolate out of joy, and I love this, and I'm savoring it, and it's sensory rich, and I, it's filling me up sensually, then that's the kind of energy you'll eat, and you will metabolize that very differently in your body than if you did it with shame. So it's, again, it's going back to noticing, doing things at half speed, eating at half speed, noticing the, fa- the flavors and the aromas and how it fills in your mouth and like how it's nourishing you and filling you up as opposed to just grabbing something and chowing it down as you're multitasking other things. <laughs> it's a whole different way to metabolize food and life. Now, this all makes really good sense, but I feel like we're coming at it right now from a healthy perspective, right? Like it, this, all of this really makes sense to me and absolutely. But if you're someone who's living right now in darkness, in depression, mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. gone through, um, and, you know, and from your experience, having gone through so much loss, you know, how can one be in that state? And listen to this and go, okay, that's going to, I can do that because I find that there's, that's where there's a block or there's the yes. inability to take that, that step, right? For, in one perspective, it's like, oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah. But some people aren't in that space to even reflect and get out of it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes, there are many people in trauma. I just did a whole podcast episode on this. So thank you. Uh, if you literally can't get out of it, there. Or if you are just in functional mode, like you're a robot and you're just going through the emotions and you feel empty and dark and disconnected. Well, I say that's a beautiful space to be in because you can start something new. It's something's breaking open in you to create a new thing. So coming back to that sensory piece, if all you can do is lay in bed and notice and notice and notice. So for instance, you could take that sensory kit And if you don't feel like doing it, then that's okay. But what if you could look out the window and what are four things I can see right now with my eyes? What are two things I can smell? What are three things I can feel? It might be my blanket, might be my hair. It's we, the key to getting out of a dark space is to notice, is to just be present and notice, hey, I feel like shit. Hey, I am... I feel like a tank is sitting on my heart, you know, or an anvil is sitting on my heart. Um, There are a lot of people in trauma right now. And to bypass the darkness is not going to heal it. We have to climb into it to climb out of it. And I think most of us are sick of swallowing our emotions and denying um, all of the, the racial upheaval, you know, that, and all the conversations that are happening and all the violence and the fires It's healthy. I see it as very healthy. Of course, it can go dark really fast too, but I see it as like, hey, we're finally getting into the muck and the real distortion and the illusion that that we've been looking past for so long. And, And the same is true for our own bodies. 
The same is true for our, for our own debris floating around. I think, Leanne, the, the key to people that are in trauma and darkness is to realize it's an experience you're having. It's not you. You are whole at your core. You are connected to the divine. You are at one with all that is. You are unique. You are beautiful. You are, you are full of light at your core. And so you are only experiencing the darkness. It's not who you are. And to make that, you know, to not over-personalize with, I am the trauma, I am the darkness, I am all these things. No, you, you're not even, dep- like you're experiencing depression. You're not a depressed person. This podcast for you, I mean, I know what I enjoy from doing this podcast, but the the journey for you, like you just did one on trauma. Are you learning as much also when you have your guests and when you have your experts on that it opens up your thinking to things? 100%. It's selfishly why I do it. <laughs> I need help. It's okay. I feel like I'm a better person for my podcast. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank, yeah, thank you for bringing that because many of us who are like in the arena, as Brene Brown says, if you're not also in the arena getting your ass kicked, I'm not open to your feedback, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm in the arena. I know you are too. And so I see a lot and I feel a lot in my body and I process through a lot, both my own ancestral patterning as well as the debris I've picked up along my 51 years on this planet And I recognize I'm a work in progress. And so I love having conversations with other people who are in the muck also, but still show up. They still show up. And bless you if you are in the darkness and feel like you're not ready to show up. There will come a time that you will have the bravery and courage to show up. But this is a season of gathering for many people. They're figuring out, like, what is happening right now on this planet? (laughs) Like, what is going on and where do I fit in and how can I contribute? Um, yes, I started my podcast in February of 2019. Mm-hmm. Or was it 18? No, it was February 19. With the, like, just because I wanted to have deeper conversations. This is before COVID. This is before, you know, it was right around the Me Too movement and stuff like that. And I was just like, I have stuff to say and I want to bring in other people into the conversation. We're all in this together. Lest anyone think they've got it all, you know, sewn up. Well, that's the first indication they don't. Um, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know a lot. <laughs> that is true. And the thing is, I think the more you learn, and what I like about your background is not only do you have like the emotional and the healing and the spiritual side, but with with your degrees, I know looking at some of the stuff that you talk about the biochemistry of our body, like what's actually happening. And do you still find that there's an interesting thing with science and what actually happens with our systems and with our hormone levels and all that stuff that are factors in how we feel and why we do certain things? Yes. So we are electrical chemical beings. We are multi-sensory beings and therefore we require a different level. It's kind of going back to like what I was seeing when I was in a traditional treatment models of psychiatry and psychology, it was like, no, we're more than our biochemistry. There's more happening here. Um, There's an essence and a a soul to each human that's so unique and diverse. And so there's that. But also at the scientific quantum level, we are energetic beings. You know, we hold emotional trauma from several generations ago. 
um, also, you know, speaking with epigenetics and those fields, emerging fields, psycho neurogenesis, psycho from psycho, uh, I forget that <laughs> it's a big, it's a psycho psychoneuroimmunology, yeah. things like that. You know, we're, I think science is starting to pick up on like, there's things we can't measure. Like we don't have the sophisticated technology yet to measure what's actually going on. But for those of us who are in, you know, have been studying, you know, quantum physics and energy psychology for a while, it's like, yeah, you know, there's more to you than what's on a blood draw or a CAT scan. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Can I ask you the question then? Cause we talked about your, the spiritual psychology and then you just mentioned energy psychology mm-hmm. is, can I ask if, do you see a difference with that? Is there something Not really. that, okay. Not really. Cause I, I no, find that I you mean, are very, like, like they go together. They do. Yeah. So it's kind of what I was saying. Like we're all whole at the core. We're all divine beings having this human experience and, um, you know, you could talk about vibration and frequency and, you know, low, low frequency, low vibration is like depression or darkness or whatever. And then the higher up you go, the more enlightened you are, whatever. It's not always that cut and dry. We're all holding both. We're holding polarity in our, in our bodies. We're holding the light and the darkness. So that's why I'm saying if somebody is operating a higher frequency, just wait, because tomorrow they could have something surface from their ancestral energy and their DNA that they need to address that it wasn't safe to until now because your frequency is up, right? So we're, the, we're these walking, like the people on the earth right now are the walking embodiment of all of the gener- millennia <laughs> of ancestors before us. We're the cleanup crew. You know, we're the ones that are, are waking up to what needs healed. Yeah. We need to clean up our act a little bit or else the next generation is going to be just as messed up. <laughs> You you mentioned the word divine in there. Um, Part of the website that you have is talking about the divine feminine. Yes. What is that? Oh, man, we could be on here for hours. Is that a loaded question? (laughs) So you could call her God the Mother, Heavenly Mother, Creatrix, uh, Goddess, uh, Gaia. There's many names, but it's just the mother presence of of the divine. And she has been looked past for so many years and in the form of like a white male God, if you will, and not to diminish that it's holy and sacred to many, many people. However, there is a female, there's a feminine face of God. And I've been on a quest to find her for my whole life. So I've gone on sacred pilgrimages to the South of France, Mary Magdalene tours, uh, Glastonbury, England to Avalon priestess pilgrimages. Um, I've connected oh, that's so with- cool. Okay. Like, okay. How do you, like, you just sign up and, and like, what, what do you find? Like what happens on these tours? I just threw that down. I know, um, but I love it. I, I totally caught up. I'm like, okay, I want to know about this. Yeah. It's going back to energy, you know, and, and the essence of who we are is more than just what we've been taught. And so there was this, there was a part of my soul that wanted to find that feminine face of God and express like, what is a priestess? What does it mean to be an empowered spiritual feminine leader? Um, I wasn't seeing it a lot and I wanted to find that and find it for myself and not be a carbon copy of someone else. So yeah, it's taken me all over. I found a lot of teachers and mystery school type of women who are just really embodied and, and very empowered and very humble and full of integrity and spiritual alignment for themselves. And, and so I've, 
I have a stand speak shine school where I disseminate this kind of information at a deeper level for women, but it's, it's so it's like self actualization and ascension into like finding yourself, but it all comes back to like not looking outside of you. It's finding what's sourced already in your wise, innate being, your feminine nature. Um, and men too, obviously, men have embodied wisdom up the wazoo. They have a lot of depth to them. Men are very misunderstood in this regard. Uh, it takes, I will say, it takes them a little longer to access their emotions, but the depth and the reservoir of love and compassion that is in men is no different than it is in women. Uh, it just manifests differently in both genders. So how would you suggest a woman be able to start, I don't want to say prodding and poking to try to get that to come out? Like, because I think a lot of times when they're like, they're just, they're closed off, they won't talk, they're not communicating. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I think those were three different things I said right off the top that you often hear. So, yeah, we, I, I, I teach this in the Fiction Marriage in 40 Days course with my UK partner, Dimple Thacker, but you access, a if you're a man, you access, you know, men are most attracted to confidence, women are most attracted to strength. So for a man to access his strength is to slow down and fill his own love cup. And that looks like his hobbies, his alone time, um, not, not buying into the cultural like stereotypes of like swallowing your emotions or like he has to find a way to express himself. And his, his woman, his partner needs to allow that space and, and to praise him and to not coach him or criticize him. Um, I was doing that for so many years. I didn't realize I was doing that. I thought I was just helping. <laughs> like, let me give you this advice. Well, no, you're mothering me and you're coaching me and you're criticizing me. He, would, he wasn't saying that, but I, I woke up to the fact that that's what I was doing. Um, we do that as mothers too. Uh, as far as women drawing this out for ourselves, we, we need to feel safe with men. We need to feel heard and seen. And women crave visibility, but it's also the one thing we're afraid of. We're afraid to be out there and seen, but it, we want to feel beautiful. We want to look beautiful, but we're afraid of it. And so the masculine holds a space for us so that we feel safe in order that we, and we have to feel seen by our men. We have to feel that they're seeing us and hearing us. And so when we have that uh, safety with each other where we're making it safe for him by letting him be who he is and express himself and not criticizing him or closing him down or trying to coach him. And then by the same token, if men take the time to see us and hear us <laughs> and help us feel safe, then there's a beautiful exchange of energy. Um, we can be who we are. And there's a lot of in intimacy that can be fostered in just that whole process of allowing each other that space. But you're going to have something right off the top with the limiting beliefs, like it won't work for me or. Right. Right. Because I would say limiting beliefs are probably at the top of the list of us convincing ourselves out of doing certain things because we just mm -hmm. automatically think we can't. Oh, yeah. Yep. And there's a lot of people who think that happy marriages are for other people. Happy relationships are for other people. Healthy bodies are for other people. Um, wealth is for other people. Oh, yeah, it goes on and on. And those are the stories we're carrying subconsciously. We, we don't know that we are always sabotaging our own joy and happiness because of those beliefs. 
Sabotage is such a good word. And I think people would love not to be able to sabotage. So are there triggers for you? Are there things that you suggest when you start to hear the negative in your head? You know, because mm-hmm. we think so many negative thoughts in a day. Oh, yeah. It's like, how does that thought feel in my body? Does it light me up and make me feel edified and inspire me to move to in- enlightened action? No, I su- it makes me feel like I suck. <laughs> like, I, like, it's not moving. Like, that's how you know. That's how you know. And we've been so, especially men, I think, like not honoring the feeling of something. And women, too, we do. We outsource it. We put it outside of us. We wait for other people to say it's okay. But honestly, yeah, like for if you're having a thought and you're like, is this leading me to, it, does this connect me to the divine? Does this make me feel worthy and whole? Is this moving me to a, a way to feel joy and, and move to change myself? Or is this making me feel like I suck and I'm a loser and I can't get it together and I'm not enough? So this is where a lot of your stuff comes in because this is the work that you do. And so when you say, when we talk about not enough, the three words that you use are stand, speak, shine. So how did you come up with this program? Like what does this entail for you? So Stan, so I'm a former Mrs. Utah and I had to learn what confidence really meant. I I think I was drawn drawn to the royalty archetype subconsciously because I was like, just like feeling like a queen, feeling like I'm, I don't know, self-coronation or something like I I couldn't do that for myself so I had to go do a pageant to feel I'm looking back now at that and going I'm smiling but it it was really powerful to teach me the concept of confidence we're always on a more metaphorical stage in life we always have a panel of judges before this which is the world and so being comfortable in your skin standing learning how to ground stationed on the earth this is my place stand and then speak came from expression and speaking your truth and having a platform or a megaphone to the world and whatever your message is and then shine is just this is who i am this is my aura this is my essence this is my individuation and and so that whole process process is a self actualization um, three month program I do for women, Stand Speak Shine. So yeah, so you can just go to standspeakshine.com and read all about it. I, I'm getting ready to launch the new, the next one this summer. So I do them in increments. I do it a few times a year. Um, do you switch it like, or is it just kind of the Stand Speak Shine school next version kind of thing? Oh, I change it up every time. <laughs> I have very, you know, I have like universal themes that run throughout, you know, that are super cool. But then depending on which group I get in, I intuitively feel into like, what does this group need? And we go deep into that. And uh, I love it. And so if you have this group, will it range in, you know, at what point does, does a, a young woman feel like this would be good to do now so that they don't have to go through three, you know, decades of shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before they go, hey, I should probably have done that earlier. Like, is it yeah. almost like the earlier you can catch it? You know, even for yeah. young women to learn this earlier. Oh my gosh. I have two so, daughters. Like so I, that said, I'm thinking, I, have, yeah. I have three daughters, ages six, 21, and 26. And then me, myself, okay, I wish someone had given this to me when I was a young adult or a teenager. It's too deep for a teenager. I'm going to say that. Mm-hmm. They haven't lived enough life to even like get it yet. Um, but it's certainly a woman in her mid to late 20s all the way up. It's never, I was going to say like, it's never too late. And um, in my last group of women, we had grandmothers in there who were like, just finally waking up to, you know what, it's not okay for me to not be who I am anymore. It's intolerable. And I don't want to model this to my grandchildren. Um, 
So wherever you're at is where you're at. And it doesn't matter how late you wake up. It just matters that you wake up, (laughs) you know, and it's powerful because everyone around you, first, they won't know what to do with you. Like, who is Cherie? What did you do with my, like, where's my mom? What did you do with her? Then it becomes inspiring. And then you will trigger some people. They want you to stay small. They want you to stay stuck. There's a payoff for you being not you for them. And, 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 but in your skin, in your body, like this is no longer tolerable to stay here. I have to move. I have to be who I am. I have to do it differently. When you started to speak of those things, you know, I started to think too, because people need resources, right? So yes, you got this wonderful school, but for you, what were some of the books? Who were some of the thought leaders that, that had you thinking outside the box or differently or books that you would recommend to people where, where, if they're just they're let's say they're about to wake up, (laughs) where, where do you send them? Like what would be your material? Glennon Doyle's Untamed is a new one that Mm -hmm. a lot of people are really resonating with. I love Glennon Doyle's Love Warrior memoir, but certainly she's great. Um, I love Marion Woodman. She is a, She's a depth psychologist that writes about feminist issues. She has been instrumental in my waking up. Her books are archetypal and they're pretty deep. But uh, also I love um, the whole Mary Magdalene conversation. So Karen King, Dr. Karen King, she's a Harvard theologian. She's studied the the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, which is a actual ancient text that was uh, discovered in Egypt in the 1940s. She's devoted most of her career to really, um, uh, what's the word, translating that and getting that like to the masses. Uh, Gospel of Mary Magdalene is her book. Um, So I love women like that who are just like out of the box. I love Oprah still. She's still a huge, I'm still a huge Oprah fan and I follow her podcast. Brene Brown certainly has been instrumental. Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown is an amazing work um, that helps us to just get the courage to step on our own path. So those are some of my, just off the top of my head, there's more, but those are some of my key people. Those are, those are great. I love it. I, I, and, and it's so funny because I don't think I've ever done anything with Mary Magdalene or had it even crossed my, anything that I would have been reading or doing. So this has opened up a very different path mm-hmm. to try to at least explore a little bit. Yeah, I did a six-part Mary Magdalene series on my podcast, um, and I brought in all kinds of scholars and experts and mystics, and it, we just had a great discussion around that. I, it opened me up to him, and like I said, I really went across the world to learn about this. So, she is a living archetype for the women of our day who are waking up to the distortion in systems. That's what she is. Because you've traveled so much and traveled with this in the background, right? Like in, in seeking in search of, have you found that even across the globe, women are very similar or do you find that we're very different depending on where we are? Oh, I say similar, much more similar than different. I I lived in New Zealand for six months, um, with our family. I've been to every continent except Antarctica. (laughs) Um, I've been in the trenches with women from all backgrounds, ethnicities, and walks of life. And I will tell you unequivocally, we all want the same thing. We want to be seen, we want to be heard, and we want to feel safe. And we want to feel safe to be who we are. And whatever that means for us culturally, 
we've all been born into some kind of limiting culture that inhibits us from really individuating and actualizing. Oh, gosh. I mean, that there's... I, I don't know if there's like people jotting down notes or taking things, but I'm pretty sure their hands are going to be sore um, at the end, at the end of this podcast. I think it's wonderful. And I think, you know, it's, I think we're looking for a bit of empowerment, I think, or the, or not necessarily, but permission. Yeah. To seek yeah. this. Yeah. And permission granted, I'm just going to say, <laughs> you know, don't wait for some, nobody's going to give you it. It's self-imposed. It's between you and God. And he and she, I would add to that, are always saying, go, do it, be you. And so, but you got to give that to yourself. Okay. So because this is like, into as we're wrapping things up, because I've been to the website and you go 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, how do you see the chapters that you have for 60s and 70s playing out? Oh, man. No one's ever asked me that before. Uh, I am writing a book right now called If She Could Speak. And I can see myself writing things that are very, very brave and hard to say, but I'm still gathering the courage to do that. Um, I want to, before I leave this earth plane, I want to wake as many people up to who they are as I possibly can for God to use me in that way and whatever they see fit, he, she. I see myself just being this cute grandma that's like following my grandchildren all over the place. Um, I want to open up healing centers. I know one for sure will be in New Zealand and it will be a sensory rich um, place where people can come and be healed if they've gone through trauma instead of having to go to a hospital. Um, so yeah, that's, those are that's a pretty big thing right there. Yes, I've been I've had this idea for a while because I've had I've visited family members in psychiatric institutions and I've worked in them. And the, the, it's not healthy. It's it's not a healing place. What would you suggest right now? I mean because you're going to have family, you're going to have listeners that have that also have experienced family in there. Like what can one do? Yeah. Well, You can find places that are healing, but they're too expensive. No one can afford them. So I want to make that more affordable. But create the sensory-rich environment. Remind people of who they are. They're not broken. They're just having this human experience of dysfunction and illness. It's not who they are. We have to depersonalize the labels we're giving people. Oh, you're schizophrenic. Oh, you're bipolar. Or you're this, you're that. No, you are a spiritually intact being who chose to incarnate into a body that would experience this and giving people that perspective so they don't over identify with the dysfunction and the darkness is huge. Um, I don't believe in talking about problems over and over and over and dissecting and going into your past and blowing things up because you create more of it. Um, Let's focus on where your strengths lie, what you can do now, noticing, noticing, noticing what you have and that you're enough. Oh, you are that. enough. <laughs> I like that. And even for those to look at their family members going through that, you know, it's it's to understand it's not who they are. It's what they're they're experiencing at that time. Yes. And it too shall pass. Oh, there's so much information here. Have I hit on, what have I missed? <laughs> you are I'm so like, thorough. I'm so impressed. <laughs> like you've hit every like crazy thing I've ever wanted to study. 
Um, I want to let people know where to go and how to find you. I mean, I've mentioned the website a number of times, but on it, and and what I think is really interesting too is, you know, there's the coaching and the programs, but what I find is really interesting is the section between that is a different section than the emotional healing section, (laughs) you know, and I'm just like, (laughs) I'm like, I, I, I would go back and forth from the two pages. So how did you break it down? Because there's so much information on the site. Yeah. So I usually just, so that you're talking about shereburton.com. It's more the umbrella site, but if people just go to standspeakshine.com, I just have a, a, a more basic, you know, approach to where to start. And I have a free downloadable healing kit that people, it's like a little lookbook. It's like a sensory rich little, like how to start your station, basically that we were talking about. Oh, those nutritional stations. I love that. Nutri- well, yeah. Nourishing. Yeah. Nourishing. <laughs> oh, okay, nourishing stations. Yes, yeah. It's like soul food really is what it is. Um, and then, yeah, there's information on my next Stand Speak Shine School and just some different offerings there. But I think keeping it really simple to just, you know, people, and I do, you know, my podcast is Women Seeking Wholeness, and it's on all the platforms. I would love to have you on as a guest, actually, as I'm talking oh, to you. Like, <laughs> but yeah, um, great. yeah, people can find me even just like, just, just going to standspeakshine.com and just seeing, you know, um, there's, there's all the, everything from like, I know I want to know what's next in my life. Where do I go? I need some guidance to like, Hey, you already know where you're going. Great. Let's fine tune. And there's, yeah, everybody's in different places. So I, my next project is to bring in younger, the, the up and coming. I'm just fascinated because I do have young adults and I'm fa- like, they are our teachers. They know what's up. They've, they came into this earth. <laughs> right. They've got it figured out. Right. They have they, the they tea to them. Yeah. So I want to I want to tap into that wisdom a little more and and bring them into the space. But yeah. Well, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing much more of you and the work that you're doing. So I will have um, the two pod, the, sorry, not the podcast, but the two sites so that people can actually find more information. So the the shereburton.com, the Stand Speak Shine. That's is that's it. Dot com, yep. right? Uh-huh. Okay, and I'll have I'll have all of those links in, and then the link to the podcast as well, because you mentioned some great episodes, and I think people will be uh, really keen to hear some of those things, especially the Mary Matt. Like I honestly, I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna be googling Matt after we get off after we after we press stop. But uh, awesome. Shri, really appreciate you coming on, and uh, for those that are continually listening, just another way of saying thank you. Please like and share, connect, let your friends know about the podcast. It's so awesome and wonderful to see each and every time like people connecting and saying that they've heard it or they've shared it it uh, is a ton of fun for me to watch as the podcast grows so thank you so much and Sheree thanks again loved having you on thank you thank you it's said that the more time you have to invest the greater the return well guess what kids have the most time if we learn to invest early that's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a Cash Kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.